The news for January the 2nd, 1886 comes from the Milan Exchange and the Rugby Gazette and East Tennessee News. Normally, our news will be from West Tennessee newspapers, but sometimes there wasn't much crime reported on those front pages, so occasionally we'll look at other Tennessee newspapers to get a better look at crimes of the day. Our first stories come from the Milan Exchange. This one is titled, Burglary. A thief broke into the back door of Alderman Taylor's business house one night this week and took a lot of pocket knives and other goods to the value of $40 or $50. No arrest has been made yet. This next story is called Terrible Double Fatality, and it's not exactly a crime unless you consider that companies not protecting their employees from dangerous work conditions would be considered a crime. So this is Terrible Double Fatality. New York, December 28th. Joseph Walsh went into the Brooklyn Sugar Refinery yesterday afternoon and while looking at some machinery fell backward into one of the circular cutting mills and was chopped to pieces. The machinery was stopped and the remains of the unfortunate man were gathered up and removed by a friend named Frederick Bird. He carried the remains out to the dock and then went back to the sugar house. He was very white and great drops of perspiration rolled down his face. He could hardly walk and upon reaching his work, sank into a chair. The sight had overcome him. After a short time, Bird rose to his feet, but reeled and fell dead of heart disease, occasioned by the excitement. And the Milan Exchange provided a list of revenue taken in by the city, and one item on that list, it says, collected for fines, $76.75. The next group of stories come from the Rugby Gazette. This is titled, A Carload of Jewelry Stolen. This is from Milton, Ontario, dated December the 28th. Early this morning, burglars broke into the jewelry store of Ramsey & Company and carried off a cartload of jewelry, silverware, money, etc. The store was cleaned out. The stolen goods were worth thousands of dollars. Our next story is called Montana Justice. The inmates of a jail taken out, whipped, and warmed not to return. This is from Butte, Montana, dated December the 27th. For a long time, Butte has been invested by a gang of cutthroats whose robberies and other depredations have filled honest men with fear for both life and property. The patience of the people was exhausted this week by the arrest of a wrench named Nelson who had been insulting little girls and kindled the long, smothered indignation into a flame. As a consequence, a vigilance committee of 200 masked men took matters in hand and last night overpowered this city jailer, took the prisoners confined there up Missoula Gulch, and there turned them loose with a stern warning that death awaited their return. It is difficult to ascertain just what punishment was awarded the jailbirds on arriving at Missoula Gulch. It is, however, generally understood that the beast Nelson received 40 stripes on the bare back, which were put on with a strong arm and a hearty goodwill. Another report states that he was hanged in Horse Canyon. The sheriff has ridden to the scene. The affair has created great excitement in the city. Our next article is titled, A Minister Insane Over the Faith Cure, and it comes to us from Columbus, Ohio, dated December the 27th. About a year ago, Reverend John W. Waite, a Methodist minister of this city, was pronounced insane and sent to the Central Asylum. He was discharged as cured some six months ago, since which time he has visited in about the city. 
A few days ago, he had a second attack and was arrested today and will be recommitted tomorrow. He went insane on the faith cure. It is a very sad case. Big haul by burglars from Sharon, Pennsylvania, dated December the 26th. Burglars on Christmas Eve blew open the safe in Rice's store at Jamestown, this county, and secured $2,000 booty. An unsuccessful attempt was made on the offices of the American Express Company. This next story isn't necessarily a crime, but I think if it happened today, we would be very suspicious. The story is titled, Two Children Cremated. A mother leaves them alone at home, and they meet their death in the burned dwelling. It's from Parkersburg, West Virginia, dated December the 22nd. At Wadesville, a town about 12 miles distant from this city, Mrs. Koch looked up, locked up the house, leaving her two little children, a little girl of four years and a babe of 18 months, in the house and went to the store nearby. Directly after the mother left, the house was seen to be in flames. The people ran from all directions toward it, but before they had arrived upon the scene, the house was totally enveloped in flames. The cries and screams of the children were heartrending, but the building being a frame structure, it was found notwithstanding every effort was futile, impossible to rescue them. In the endeavors to save the children, several citizens were severely burned. The house was burned to the ground, and nothing but the trunks of the children were found in the cinders. The mother and father are nearly frantic over the loss of their only children. This next story is about suicide, which doesn't make sense, but it is against the law. An old farmer's curious suicide. This is from Lawrence, Kansas, dated December the 25th. Conrad Hoyt, an old farmer who lived a few miles from here, committed suicide yesterday in a curious way. He took an axe and a long rope into the woods. Then he cut away the underbrush around a large tree and climbed nearly to the top of the tree, cutting off all limbs which might interfere with his fall. He tied one end of the rope to a limb and the other around his neck and jumped off. He was found a few hours afterward by a passing neighbor. This next story is not a crime, but it is surely an oddity. It's titled, Came to Life Again, Singular Case of Suspended Animation in a Southern Village. This is from Chattanooga, dated December the 22nd. A singular case of suspended animation comes from Overton. Miss May McDonald, aged 18 years, was taken ill about the first of the present month. On the 10th, she appeared to have breathed her last and was shrouded for burial. The coffin was procured the second day after her supposed death, when to the surprise of all, she arose and asked for an apple. She ate with much relish and afterward drank some water. The following day, Miss McDonald sank into a stupor and remained so until Monday when she died and was buried. And the mysteries continue. This next article is called Mysterious Death. It is from Omaha, Nebraska, dated December the 27th. Patrick F. Murphy, aged 40, ex-mayor of Omaha, died tonight after only a few days' illness from a mysterious malady. Several members of the family were taken peculiarly sick about a week ago. Mrs. Murphy first showed signs of sickness. She had pains in her back and shoulders, and her throat became sore. She doctored herself and became apparently well again. Two days later, Mr. Murphy was affected with the same symptoms, though not serious at first, but Mrs. Murphy was again attacked, and two children soon experienced similar feelings. Then, Mr. Murphy became worse. He rallied, however, and seemed on the way to recovery till this morning, when he was taken with violent cramps, which grew worse until this evening when he died. The doctor in attendance declares the cause of the death was tomaine poisoning, the result of eating chicken, which had been frozen and then allowed to become partially decomposed. Murphy had eaten only a small portion of the chicken, and another member of the family, who ate heartily, has not as yet been attacked. 
Mrs. Murphy also ate very sparingly of chicken, and several circumstances seemed to indicate the intentional poisoning by some outside party, and several physicians declare that ptomaine poisoning could not have resulted under the conditions of the case. And now our final story for January the 2nd. It's titled, A Kentucky Episode. This is from Cynthiana, Kentucky, dated December the 22nd. At 11 o'clock today, H.L. Frisbee and J.K. Lake, the widely known cattle breeders, had an altercation which will probably result fatally to Frisbee. The latter was coming to town when he was accosted by Lake on some business matter. Frisbee replied in a very ungentlemanly manner when Lake seized a rock, Frisbee at the same time pulling his pistol from his overcoat. As soon as Lake saw the pistol, he pulled his own, and they began firing simultaneously. After a few shots, Frisbee ran behind a tree and kept firing, Lake standing in the middle of the pike, vigorously answering. Frisbee was shot once in the middle of the back near the spinal column, and the wound is very serious. Our next episode will be published on January the 7th. Please join me for another episode of A Year of Crime as reported in the newspapers of West Tennessee.